You're listening to the Bonfire Podcast, fanning the flames of the gospel to the ends of the world. Come on, let's dive into the Word. Welcome on in to the Bonfire Podcast, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us uh, this week. Um, We're excited because this is actually the conclusion of the Blessed Assurance uh, podcast series. So this is going to be week 12. So we've been uh, 12 weeks in the series studying through 1 John, and uh, we've got a lot out of uh, this study, and, and we hope that you have as well. Um, if you're a first-time listener, uh, we want to do what we always do and encourage you to uh, go back and check out some of our past episodes. You'll be able to find those um, pretty much anywhere you find your podcast content. You'll find those on all the major uh, podcast uh, distribution sites. You can also find us um, on YouTube. The videos are uploaded there, and you'll find us on our our Facebook page, uh, Bonfire Ministries uh, Facebook page. So we'd encourage you, uh, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe uh, so that you'll get this content. We release new content every week on Sunday evenings at 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time here in the United States. So um, again, thanks for joining us. We're so glad that you're here, and we're going to jump right into uh, Blessed Assurance uh, Week 12. Mm-hmm. And Dad, uh, thanks for coming again this week uh, to, to do this. And um, it's, as I said, it's been a great study. I, I've has. gotten a lot out of it. I hope yeah. you have as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be closing up uh, chapter five. And this, again, we'll, we'll close up the entire book of First John. And um, in this particular session, we're going to be talking um, a good bit about prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be kind of the, the first uh, section. And then John kind of goes into a summary, um, and he kind of wraps up the things that he had said before. And so we're going to kind of follow his lead there. We're, we're going to do that uh, ourselves, and we'll do a little wrap-up here at the end, mm-hmm. and that'll take us out of uh, Blessed Assurance. So uh, we'll go ahead and get started uh, with our content today. And and um, the way that I saw this breaking down, Dad, is I, I saw kind of three major points that we're going to talk through uh, that or that I'd like to see us address. And, and that's uh, one is confidence in prayer. Uh, the second is compassion in prayer. And then lastly, we're going to look at Christian certainty. Mm-hmm. Um, John outlined some things that we as Christians can be certain of. And mm-hmm. so uh, that's what I see us uh, kind of going through, and we'll see where God leads us as we go through this. That sound good? That's good. All good. right. Well, let's get started with confidence in prayer, and, and we're going to take this verse by verse uh, as we as we normally do here. And I'm going to read the first uh, two verses uh, when we talk about confidence in prayer, really verse 14 and 15 really align with that. And so I'll read that for us now. It says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petition that we have asked him for. Mm-hmm. And so that's verse, uh, again, 14 and 15. And and so, Dad, when we left off last time, we were talking about how Christians um, can have, uh, you know, secure uh, security or certainty um, in eternal life. And just as um, a Christian can have that security uh, in eternal life or that confidence in eternal life, mm-hmm. John shares that we can also have confidence in prayers, right. that God will hear our prayers, uh, but he not only hears our prayers, he answers our prayers. He wants to do that. That's right. And, um, you know, he wants us to come to the Father and just freely tell him everything that we need, uh, mm-hmm. our wants, our our needs, our troubles. Uh, he wants uh, He wants to hear that. But we must remember that, um, you know, uh, prayer is not necessarily a rubbing a, a genie uh, in a bottle, right? It's not That's a, right. It's not a vending machine type approach of where we just go and we say we want this and then it drops out uh, there for us. There are conditions uh, to prayer mm-hmm. uh, and to having a powerful prayer life. And I That's wanted right. to touch on that first um, as we talk through this, um, you know, promise that God will answer our prayers. As God will answer our prayers, but there are some conditions that must be met 
in order for God to, to answer our prayers. The first one that I saw um, is that our hearts must be right. Mm-hmm. And so um, unless a believer is abiding in Christ, and that's using John's words, right? Because he's used that term several times, mm-hmm. and that we are abiding in love and obedience, um, our prayers cannot be answered. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that I see there. That's right. Psalm sixty six eighteen says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So we have to be in the will of God ourselves, let alone pray for the will of God. We have to be in the will of God. We have to be living for the Lord if he's going to hear our prayer and answer our prayer. That's right. And and that's the second point there is God's will is a condition that must be met. We see that in verse uh, 14 there where it says, um, if we ask anything according to his will. So our prayers must be in accordance to God's will. We must take time to ascertain what God's will is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means that we may need to be searching through the Bible for promises and principles that we can apply to our situation. And then once we know the will of God, we can pray with confidence uh, and wait for him to reveal the answer to us. That's right. The purpose of prayer is not to get our will done on earth, but to get God's will done on earth. And God's will must take priority over our personal concerns and comforts. Over Matthew twenty six thirty nine, Jesus prayed the night before his crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, O my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we need to ascertain what the will of God is, and we can pray in confidence that God will hear our prayer and answer our prayer if we personally, if our lives are in the will of God, and if we're praying in the will of God. And you know, Matt, there's a lot of things that we can be certain of is the will of God. It is not the will of God that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. And so when I pray for lost people, I pray in confidence knowing that it is God's will for them to be saved. And so you might know some people out there that do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Hey, get on your knees and pray confidently that God would turn their heart toward him. He has got to be the one to do that. Uh, Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draw him. He can do it, but God wants you to pray, and he wants you to pray for that soul, uh, that that soul will be open and receptive to the things of God. God will do his work, and he wants you to do your work in prayer. You know, Dad, I, I want your opinion on this. So I, I feel like sometimes, though, it's it's sometimes hard to know exactly what God's will is in a certain situation. And so the, the scripture that you referenced there of Jesus praying, where he says, not my will, uh, but thine be done. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's also an acceptable prayer, right? You right. know, in that time where you really can't understand what exactly needs to be done, you just kind of put it up and say, God, I'm going to give it to you. I don't understand exactly what's going on here, but I pray that your will be done no matter what it is that's and just exactly submit to right. his will. That's an acceptable prayer as well. Yeah. I'll tell you what happens to me a lot of times when I'm visiting in the hospital and I am praying over someone that's very sick. And of course, their family wants their loved one to be healed and get well. And and I do too. But I don't know if it's God's will for that person to get well. And so sometimes I'll say, now, God, you let us bring our request unto you. You just said uh, that we can make known our requests unto you. And Lord, you uh, I just want to let you know, I would like for this person to be made well again. If you would give consideration, would you be willing to heal this person? And that's what we have to do and ultimately then submit to the will of God, whatever his answer is. 
That's right. And, you know, it's, it's great to talk about how God answers our prayers. But, Dad, while we're here on the topic of prayer, I did want to talk about um, how important uh, prayer is to the life of a Christian. You know, it's it's not just this um, transaction of where we get things done, right? Right. Um, it is how we commune and conversate with God. That's how right. we talk to God. God wants his children to bring all their needs and their troubles to him in prayer. He wants to hear from us. And we need to hear from him. And prayer gives us an opportunity to do just that. Uh, you know, to use John's words, if we abide in Christ, we must be in conversation with him. And that's prayer. You know, um, you know, breathing is, is to physical man as prayer is to the spiritual man. Mm-hmm. If we fail to pray, uh, then we're going to faint. Right, that's right. And First Thessalonians uh, five through seventeen or five verse seventeen says that we should pray without ceasing. That's the charge that we're given. And you know that doesn't necessarily mean that Christians are always going to be uttering uh, verbal prayers or audible mm-hmm. prayers that we can hear. You know, I really think that means that um, as a Christian, our heart should be affixed on Christ. And if our hearts are fixed on Christ, then we're going to be in kind of this state of praying, regardless of whether we're talking out loud. Or not. I know I do that throughout the day is, you know, sometimes I'm not in a form of prayer, but I'll just be running up against something difficult in my day. And I can just feel, you know, basically me saying, God, I need your help here. Um, I don't even have to say it, but I just know I'm in communion and and, uh, conversation and connection with him. And uh, that's what I see happens, uh, you know, in a life of a Christian. It's very important to be that close and connected to God. Absolutely. I'll tell you what I found in my life. The, the truth of what Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. There has been many a time in my life I'd get so busy doing the work of the church, but yet not spending enough time, knee time, time on my knees. And if you try to do God's work without God's help, you're going to end up with a big zero. You can do nothing. So God has taught me to maybe spend a little bit less time visiting and doing these outward things and to put more time on my knees, and then I will get more bang from a buck, so to speak. God will answer my prayers, and He will do more in my life and through my life than if I was just trying to do all this serving and all of this spiritual stuff in my own power and strength. In my own power and strength, I'm nothing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I think human nature is that uh, we should be planning, we should be uh, getting things ready, we should be doing things in order to get the outcome that we want, right? That's what society tells us should happen. Um, but that's actually counter to God's model, right? Is, right. Is God says, hey, you're nothing. Um, you just need to come to me. And if you spend your time with me, then I'm going to work out what's going to happen at the end. And that's that's tough for us as humans to get that that's through right. our thick heads and understand that we are nothing without God and it needs prayer. Um, just like this podcast, Ed, we've identified here that nothing's going to happen with our podcast if we don't bathe it in prayer. That's and right. that's why we're asking people to be prayer warriors and join alongside us and, and to pray for the ministry and pray for the listeners and pray for the countries that we're touching uh, out to right now because nothing's going to happen without prayer. That's exactly right. Well, Dad, I want us to move on and look at uh, compassion in prayer. And and that's our, our kind of second point that we're going to come to. And, and we're going to see this uh, come through in verses 16 and 17. And so I'll read that uh, to, to our audience now. It says, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life. For those who commit sin not leading to death, there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. And 
And so, Dad, we're going to get into some of the specifics around this sin unto death mm-hmm. uh, in just a moment. But I just wanted to take a second here and 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 say that you know after writing on answered prayer, John shifts and he begins to give a specific illustration and a limitation uh, to prayer. And so, no longer are we looking at our own personal petitions uh, mm-hmm. for, for prayer, but John is talking about us going into intercession, and that's praying for someone else. You know, the assurance that eternal life uh, brings to a Christian. Um, ought not to lead them into a preoccupation of self, mm-hmm. right? right? We should always uh, be looking uh, to others and making sure that we're we're recognizing in our duty to love that we need to care for our brothers and sisters in need, whether that may be material or in this case what John's referring to is a spiritual need. Mm-hmm. And I want us to think really critically about what John says here, you know, um, John is, is telling us that we need to go to God in prayer, but mm-hmm. notice what John doesn't say. Uh, John doesn't say that when we see our brother sinning, that we're to go tell the pastor so that he can deal with it, right? right? Nor does he say that if we see a, our brother sinning, that we're to call up all of our friends and tell them what's going on so they can pray about it, mm-hmm. right? You know, that's just a thin spiritual cover for gossiping. That's right. And nor does uh, he say that if we see our brother sinning, that we should shake our head in disgust and ask, why would he do such a stupid thing? Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, called judging our brother. That's right. But what John does, John does tells us to do is that we are to take it to God in prayer. We're to go to God in intercession. We're to pray for that brother who we see a sinning a sin that doesn't lead to death, and we're to take it to God. And, you know, Dad, I've heard it said uh, many times that um, if we're going to talk about another uh, brother or sister in Christ, then we should do our talking on our knees. And I believe that's the same advice that John's given us right here is, you know, you don't take it any further, but take it to God and ask God for his help in that situation. That's right. I want to pick up, too, something that you said just a moment ago about seeing your brother sin. Uh, John actually had the experience of seeing a brother in the Lord sin. The Lord Jesus was arrested in the early morning just before he was going to be placed on the cross. And John went into the palace of the high priest. Simon Peter followed the Lord from afar off because he was backslidden. The Bible says Simon Peter warmed himself at the fire. John was standing there close by and could see everything that Peter did. In a moment, a maid came up to Peter and said to him, are you not one of the followers of Jesus? <laughs> I think John imagined. I know what Peter's going to say. I just heard him a few hours ago. Though all men forsake you, Lord, I'll never do it. Whenever everyone else runs out on you, Lord, you can depend on me. I'll stand true to you. Peter said to the maid, I am not. In other words, I'm not one of his disciples. When Peter said that, John, I bet you, just nearly fell over in his tracks. He absolutely saw a brother sin. He saw Peter do something totally inconsistent with his relationship with the Lord. And that's what Christian observation is about. We see a brother sin. Like you said, we're not to go tattle. We're to fall on our knees and pray for that brother, that God will pick that brother up and help that brother to get back living for him. That's exactly right. You know, Dad, uh, going kind of off on a tangent here about Peter, you know, I think about Peter um, and so many mistakes that he made. 
and yet he was fully restored. Uh, Christ fully restored him, and he became one of the greatest uh, ministers for Christ right. um, in, in the New Testament. And so that always just gives me joy uh, and gives me hope uh, mm-hmm. to know that you know I make mistakes all the time, and I, I fall short of, of what would be considered the standard uh, for a Christian. Right. Uh, but it's always good to see that you know, in throughout the Bible, the whole the whole Bible is is examples of God using imperfect people to do His His will. Right. And I think that's just encouraging. I, it just came to me as you were talking about that 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 you know someone in our audience may need to hear that uh, today mm-hmm. is that you know even though you may have made mistakes or that you you find yourself falling short from time to time, uh, God's not done with you, and He right. can still use it, use you to do great things. That's exactly right. That's right. Well, Dad, um, there's also a limitation in prayer that John gives us here. Um, So notice that he says that there is sin leading to death, and I do not say that he should pray about that. Now, could you help our audience understand kind of what John's trying to get across here? Right. Well, entwined in that statement is a prohibition of intercessory prayer. Now, if we see a brother sin, John says to pray for that brother. In other words, so that brother might be restored. But God is saying through John that there are some situations where prayer is prohibited. Uh, First of all, notice a word of caution here. Really, the A should not be in the verse that we read a while ago because it really misleads you a little bit. It gives you the idea that John is talking about a specific act of sin. It would be better to translate, there is a sin leading to or leaning toward. In other words, there is a sin moving in the direction of death. The Word of God states that there is a condition of heart and soul and spirit that can result in death. Now, John is not talking about a specific act of sin, but a condition of heart, an attitude, a spirit that leads toward death. Now, what is the sin unto death? Well, this has been an item of much debate. Some believe John is referring to spiritual death. Now, this is talking about a brother, a Christian sinning. A, a Christian cannot die and spend eternity in hell, for his sins have been forgiven. He has eternal life. Others believe this verse is talking about the unpardonable sin. The Bible talks about the unpardonable sin. Jesus talked about it. Jesus said, And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. There is an unpardonable sin, but it can be committed only by a lost person. Many Christians worry, oh, I've committed the unpardonable sin. I just made a mistake. I'm sorry. Well, my friend, if you are convicted of your sinfulness and desire to be in a right relationship with God, you couldn't have committed that sin because the function of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin and righteousness. God is still dealing with you. A Christian cannot commit the unpardonable sin. It can only be committed by a lost person who simply rejects the call of the Holy Spirit to accept Jesus. Well, if it's not these things, then what is it? I believe it means there's a sin which leads to physical death. This is a word of caution to us as Christians. It is possible for a Christian to so continue in an attitude of rebellion against God and so allow sin to dwell in his life and hinder his testimony and the effectiveness of his church that the Bible says that he can sin unto death and God will take his physical life. God will give him a dishonorable discharge. God will send him on to glory ahead of time. He will be saved so as by fire and he will suffer loss. There are examples of this in the Bible. Moses committed the sin unto death. Moses was perhaps the greatest personality in the Old Testament. Moses, the great man of God. Moses, the prophet who was called by God to go down to Egypt, lead the children out of the land of Egypt. Moses led the children of Israel all the way through the wilderness 
yet Moses himself did not enter the promised land. Moses, think about it. He was a pastor, so to speak, with two and a half million members, and all of them, sad to say, were backslidden but two. How would you like to do that? Every time something went wrong, they all blamed Moses. But Moses was patient. He still labored and prayed. But Moses' patience grew thin. It is so easy to let the behavior of other people to cause us to get in the flesh. And Moses became mad one time and did not obey God completely. Moses said, Hear now, you rebels. The Bible says he smote the rock two times. God had said, Speak to the rock. God said, Moses, because you have not obeyed me fully, you will not enter Canaan. In fact, you're going to die ahead of time, sin unto death. Why was God so severe on Moses? To whom much is given, much is required. The greater the light or the position God has given you, the greater your responsibility to be totally dedicated and completely obedient to the will of God. God has put His Holy Spirit within us. We have the power to live as He called us to live. And if you're a Christian, then you have the desire to live right. But God will not tolerate disobedient lives. Quickly, I want to give you a second illustration in the Old Testament. Achan committed sin unto death. You remember he took the Babylonian garment, the silver and the wedge of gold from the ruins of Jericho, where God wanted all to be put into the treasury. Achan disobeyed, and thus God did not bless the Israelites when they first fought against the inhabitants of of Ai. Joshua, bewildered about what happened to his troops, talked to God about it. God said, get on your feet, Joshua. There's sin in the camp. It was Achan. The goods were found, and he was stoned to death. Now, you reply, preacher, that's in the Old Testament. Uh, That's under the law. Uh, What about now under grace? (laughs) Well, let me tell you this. Over in Acts chapter 5, there was a couple, a man and his wife, whose lives were hindering the testimony in the church. They pretended a dedication to God that they didn't make. They lied to the Holy Spirit of God. When Simon Peter quizzed them concerning their dedication, they lied. And I want you to know when they lied, they died. God put them to death because their sin hindered the church. That was Ananias and Sapphira. In 1 Corinthians eleven thirty, we're told, For this cause, Paul said, Many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. This means they were dead. You know why? Because of the way the people in the church in Corinth partook of the Lord's Supper. Their sin hindered the church. Over in 1 Corinthians 5, 5, God told about a man who was living in open sin. Paul said to deliver such a man unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit might be saved during the day of the Lord Jesus. Hear me, those of you that are Christians out there. It is possible for a Christian to so sin and so persist in a life of disobedience to the will of God that he can commit a sin unto death. It's even possible Perhaps that some listening out there in a podcast audience are are playing around with that sin leading unto death. Now, John says, do not pray for them. Just don't pray for them. Leave them alone. Now, I don't know when that time comes when we're not to pray for someone. I think we ought to pray as much as we can pray for other Christians. Sometimes you persist in prayer and God seems to stop you. I don't know when it comes, but somewhere along the way, there may come a time when God will say, it is enough. Over in Jeremiah, uh, it says, God says, Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. In other words, God said it's too late to pray. I was uh, telling you, Matt, earlier back about an experience I had when I was a very young preacher. 
I was visiting with a pastor. I was not a pastor at that time. I was probably in my early 20s. And I was visiting a pastor with a pastor at a hospital. We were visiting this man that was a member of this this pastor friend of mine's church. I knew the man, and he professed to be a Christian, but he did not live a Christian life. He was living a disobedient life. I mean, he was the kind that would drink and beat his kids. Really, he gave the impression that he was not a child of God, and he might not have been a child of God. Didn't seem uh, to look like a child of God to me. But he professed to be a Christian, and so when we got ready to leave, we did the thing that pastors always do. We said, well, sir, would you mind if we prayed for you? Well, both of us took turns praying for the man, and I'll tell you what, usually when I pray for sick people, God just puts the words in my mouth, and the words come flowing out of my mouth, and and, uh, God just takes over. But this time, I had the hardest time getting some words out of my mouth to pray for this man. And the other preacher, he seemed to have difficulty, too, about praying for the man. Well, after we left and we were going out to the car, we got to talking about our experience when it came to praying for this this fellow that was in a hospital bed who professed to be a Christian. Both he and I admitted that we had difficulty praying for him. We wanted to, but it just seemed like it was hard. We almost like God wasn't permitting us to. I want you to know not too long, long after that, the man died. That's uh, quite a story, Dad. Uh, you know, we, I think we've seen that happen um, a couple other times. I know that you've given me examples of, that you've seen that in your ministry as well. So, you know, John here tells us that we should um, always uh, be in prayer, that we should uh, know that God answers our prayers, and that should be uh, part of the, the certainties and the, and the satisfactions we know and the confidence that we have in being a, a child of God. Uh, but remember, those those prayers need to be um, in God's will, and we need to be uh, have our hearts right when we make those prayers. And that those prayers are not always for ourselves, right? There's times where we need to go in intercession and pray for those around us uh, who are in need. Uh, but he does give us that warning that there are those individuals that have uh, come to a point where they've sinned uh, to to sin that leads unto death, and at that point, um, unfortunately, prayer is probably not going to going to help them at that point because they've gone too far. So, um, there's some great things that we learned here on prayer. And Matt, I want to say another thing about prayer before we move on. Sometimes I have asked the question, "Does God answer our prayers?" I want you to know, yes, He always answers our prayers in one of three ways. Sometimes He says yes. That's what we all want to hear. Sometimes he says, wait, but the toughest answer of all is when he said, no, no. You know, think about, I told you a while ago, Moses wanted to go into the promised land, but God said, no. David wanted to build the temple, but God said, no. He always answers our prayers. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's wait, sometimes it's no. Mm, that's good information there. So uh, as John gets ready to conclude his letter um, of blessed assurance, using our, our title there, um, he kind of transitions and, and begins to kind of do a wrap up of the entire book. And I, I saw that he had three affirming statements uh, that he, he uses here in the, the closing uh, words of chapter five, and they really describe a Christian certainty um, to us. And so I want to share these uh, with our listeners, Dad, and, and see what your, your thoughts are on these. And so um, I saw first that there is certainty in, in, in Christian power. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to look at verse 18, and and I think we're going to actually switch translations. Do you mind reading uh, yeah. verse 18? Uh, we normally work out of the New King, King James Version, but we've got a New American Standard Version. And the uh, translation here gives us a little bit better picture of what John's saying. Right. Verse 18 says, John writing, We know that no one who was born of God sins, but he who was born of God, keeps him 
and the evil one does not touch him. So in this uh, verse here, we see again the the certainty in Christian power. Uh, we see that we have power over sin. We have victory that's already been given to us um, over sin. Remember, John said in earlier verses and parts of First uh, John that Christians are overcomers uh, right. in and through Christ. And so it's our new nature uh, that God has given us, that nature of Christ that's indwelling in us that keeps us um, from sinning. Mm-hmm. And that's really what the difference in the translations uh, there is, is in the New King James, it almost gives the, the sense that it's the Christian that keeps himself from sinning. But in reality, it's not. It's it's God Himself that that holds that Christian and protects them and keeps them um, from the powers of, of Satan working in their life. That's right. Satan cannot touch any believer without asking God for permission. You remember I mentioned a while ago that uh, that Jesus he was talking to Peter. He said, "Simon, Simon, Peter has demanded permission that he may sift you as wheat." Whenever Satan attacks us we can be sure that God gave him permission. And if God gives him permission to do so, hey, he also gives us the power to overcome. Yes. Now, the second certainty that I see John go into, we'll find in verse 19. And I want to read that for our listeners here. It says, we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So in this uh, verse here, John puts it very simple. It says, we are of God. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what we've already talked about. Uh, That is to say that we are a child of God. We are born of God. That's Uh been kind of the whole theme of this entire book. And uh, to pair with some other verses throughout the Bible, we know that we're joint heirs with with Jesus and a royal family. Yeah. And so that is our position. We are positioned um, above our enemies and that we are citizens of heaven and we're just traveling through this old world. And, you know, speaking of this old world, um, look at the, the contrast that John puts there in the latter part of verse 19. He says, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Um, yeah. And we talked about uh, in early in chapter John what the world is and and how uh, we are not to love the world as as believers and uh, just another uh, certainty there in our position we're in Christ and when we're in Christ we don't have to worry about the sway of the evil one who is the the, the king of this world right you can easily tell that we are living under the sway or at least the people of the world are living under the sway of Satan. When we look at all that is happening today, it seems like Satan's having a party. And then the third thing, Dad, that I see here is that there's certainty in Christian perception. And if we look at verse 20 um, here, we'll see this. And it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and the eternal life. And so in these closing uh, words here of First John, um, he gives us an idea that we, that we have this understanding. That understanding is that p- spiritual perception that God has given us as Christians, that we can uh, have some spiritual insight and we have the capacity to understand spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, that's a, a benefit that a non-believer does not have. Right. And, and we know that that uh, spiritual perception really comes from the Holy Spirit that's right. uh, being in us because it guides us and directs us and gives us uh, that, uh, that ability to to discern uh, mm-hmm. things that are of God. 
what I find uh, important here is that, you know, we can use that spiritual um, perception in many ways. It can be an interpretation of the scriptures. It can be in telling a, a false teacher from a, a non-false teacher. Mm-hmm. We've covered all those in our in our right. session, um, in our sessions in, in the Blessed Assurance series here. But John shares the most important use of this Christian uh, perception, and that is to know that God is the one true God, mm-hmm. and to know that Jesus is the son of that one true God, mm-hmm. and to know that Christians, as Christians, we are of him, we are in him, and we are through him. That's exactly that right. is what this uh, this Christian perception uh, gives us. And then lastly, it helps us know that we have eternal life. That's and, you know, right. this whole book was written on uh, trying to get believers at that time and that early church. Uh, he says he writes these things so that you may know. Mm-hmm. Right. That's been the theme. That's and right. um, this spiritual perception allows us to, to know that, again, God is the one true God, that Jesus is the son of God and that we are in him, through him, by him. Uh, and we have the gift of eternal life. That's exactly there. right. You know, Dad, uh, John ends this uh, chapter, and, and what some may find a little bit odd, uh, the last verse there, verse 21, it says, Little children, uh, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, well, why in the world did he throw in idols? We hadn't talked about idols uh, throughout the entire book. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if we brought it up even one time, that, that exact topic. But I think it's a perfect way to end the book uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, John, under the context that he was writing, again, he had all of these false teachers. He had these false belief systems that were standing up all around him. And he wrote this letter to say, hey, I'm writing you the truth so that you'll know the truth. And uh, he gives that last parting, uh, you know, just kind of command and affirmation to the, the those readers. Because if they do anything, if they worship anything other uh, than God or his son, they become idolaters. That's and that's right. what that point is there about. Yeah, I know that uh, some people believe that the original recipients of this letter was the church at Ephesus. And Ephesus was a very wicked city that had uh, the worship of pagan and false gods. And John even, as I understand, was the pastor of this church at one time. Of course, they had some great pastors. Timothy went and helped there, too. Paul spent some time there. They had great spiritual leaders. They were really grounded in spiritual truth. It's hard to believe that when they would leave, uh, uh, people would listen to false teachers and they would come in. And that's almost something that would scare even uh, pastors today to know that you've spent your time and invested your life in a group of people for 20 or 30 years, pastoring, teaching them the Word, and then just sometimes being fearful as to who's going to step in when you leave, you know. Well, anyway, we've got to stay away from idols, and idols is anything that takes the place of God. We might not bow down to idols or have idols to worship today like idols made out of stone and wood, but there are plenty of things that we can put ahead of God in our life, and anything that we do is an idol. That's exactly right. You know, Dan, I was wondering how we were going to end this uh, podcast series. Uh, we've spent 12 weeks here and, you know, was trying to, to, to figure out, you know, wh- what do we do? How do we recap? And I, and I ran across um, uh, some writing by John Piper here, and he, he basically just took um, each of the, the statements that we learned through First th- John and compiled them into a list. And so I feel that's probably the, the most fitting way to, to end our, our session here is just to go back and remind everyone of what it means to be a uh, born of God. And so uh, John Piper wrote uh, kind of 12, uh, sorry, 11 statements here that I want to share with our listeners as we get ready to close. The first is, those who are born of God keep his commands. Mm -hmm. Those who are born of God walk as Christ walked. Those who are born of God do not hate others, but love them. Those who are born of God 
don't love the world. Those who are born of God confess the Son and receive Him. Those who are born of God practice righteousness. Those who are born of God don't make a practice of sinning. Those who are born of God possesses the Spirit of God. Those who are born of God listen submissively to His Word. Those who are born of God believe that Jesus is the Christ. And then finally, those who are born of God overcome the world. And I think that's just a great wrap-up for what we've been doing here in the Blessed Assurance podcast, Uh, hopefully giving you assurance, those of you who are out there, uh, that if you're a Christian, that you now know what it means to be a true Christian. But I also hope that there are those who are listening uh, who may not be Christians, and they've heard us go kind of systematically through the the book of 1 John and talk about what it means to be a Christian, and maybe it became evident to them that the things that we're talking about didn't make sense to them, and it didn't sound like what the way that they were living. Right. And so I, I hope that there are those that are out there uh, that the, these words have hit you and have spoke to your heart. And if you feel that tug on your heart that's saying, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like my life. I hope uh, that you will give your life to God, that you will confess your sins, that you will ask Jesus to come and be your Lord and Savior. And when that happens, you'll get that new nature that we talked about. Uh, You'll get the the Spirit of God coming and indwelling you. And then all of these things we've covered here in the Blessed Assurance can be said of you, because at that point, I'll be proud to call you a brother or sister in Christ, Mm -hmm. and you'll be a joint heir with me and Dad and Jesus and a royal family. And uh, one day we'll get to see you in heaven, and that's just going to be a Great, uh, a great thing. That's absolutely the truth. Amen. Well, Dad, if you wouldn't mind, uh, pray us out of here as we close. Blessed assurance. All right. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to minister to people by the way of podcast, to reach out into the homes and the businesses where people live and work uh, with a shared message of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would take the words that you have laid upon our heart to share today. And then, Lord, of course, the words of Scripture, the words of power. Use them, Lord, to bring people closer to Jesus Christ. If there are Christians, help them to grow those that are Christians that are listening. And for those, as my son said, that do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, Lord, if this is this study of First John has opened their eyes to the reality that they really don't know Jesus. Their life doesn't match up. They don't have the fruit. Help them, Lord, to turn from their sin, place their faith totally in Jesus Christ as the only way to go to heaven, surrender to Him as the Lord of their lives, and to live for Him and bring Him glory till Jesus comes to get them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonfire Podcast. We encourage you to subscribe wherever you stream your podcast content. Also, be sure to rate us on iTunes and Facebook so that others will know about the podcast. If you have a question that you'd like to see us address on an episode, feel free to email us at bonefireministries at gmail.com.